Hello everybody and welcome back to Rowan and the Wasteland, where we discuss a film and honor its place amongst its peers. I am the titular Rowan and joining me as always, there's a reason why people say he has a shaman's eyes. It's Shane Conto, ladies and gentlemen. I'm recording from what sounds like the best possible air tunnel I could possibly find. (laughs) I promise Um, I won't keep making jokes about my new setup. (laughs) Well, Shane, uh, tell the people what we will be watching today, or or, or what we have watched today, rather. If, if, If either of us hadn't watched it up to this point, we might have a little problem. I wish I was watching it again. It's Memories of Murder by Bong Joon Ho. And this is a crime thriller investigation story about what might be the first identified serial killer in South Korea. And this stars Song Kang-ho, who basically is just in all of Bong Joon-ho's films and is absolutely amazing. And yeah, um, this is something special. Absolutely. Yeah, this is one that uh, that was pretty prevalent on both of our watch lists. And so we knew that we, uh, you know, it just seemed like a natural. We've been pushing it off for a while. Shane, I think you first suggested this months and months ago. And then I said, can we wait until uh, until I'm home so I can use my uh, my shiny new Criterion uh, edition? I have the same shiny new Criterion edition that I also watched this on. Yeah, yeah. Um, oh. Oh boy, yeah. Um, but uh, so, Memories of Murder is uh, based on um, a real life uh, series of murders, actually, Korea's first confirmed serial murders, um, which were committed by uh, Lee Chun Yai um, in the uh, in the eighties and nineties, but never actually fully solved until the year twenty nineteen. Um, which is really interesting, I think, because when I looked up uh, the uh, Lee Chun Yai, uh, he looks very much like the biggest suspect for the serial murders in this movie, which is crazy considering that they had no idea that he did it way back then, um, back when this movie was made. So I guess that's just one of life's funny little coincidences here. But uh, Shane, what did you think of Memories of Murder? This is like next level crime thriller. I feel like most crime thriller movies should be compared to this because Obviously, everybody, especially on the internet, um, absolutely loves Parasite. And, like, I still see it in top top ten lists of all time for many people. And Bong Joon-ho, I've been a fan of since Snowpiercer when I got to see that. And this is really impressive for, like, his second film with the amount of tension and atmosphere and complexity and a total disregard for tropes and just being able to subvert expectations of what you expect out of an investigation like this. And I think it was such a bold choice to pick an unresolved series of murders to base a film off of, because what's the expectation for a finale of a movie like this to solve the mystery Exactly. the way that Bong Joon-ho is able to make this work without that is fascinating. Yeah. And um, I haven't seen uh, David Fincher's Zodiac, but from what I know about it, it does it like it is in a similar vein in that as of, you know, as of then and and still sort of as of now, that was an unsolved uh, spate Mm -hmm. of, 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 of murders. And yet the film still manages to tell a pretty engaging story about it. Um, And, and the same is very much true here. 
Well, yeah, I've seen Zodiac, and this Zodiac has murder memories of murder fingerprints all over it. I'm sure, yeah. Like, I don't know if Fincher would have made that film without a film like this happening first, because right. that that takes some some courage as an artist to take a leap like that. Because I personally can't think of anything before this which i there might be i haven't seen literally every film unlike most people think uh but it's so bold to have a story that had no real resolution but being able to make something so compelling and the ending that you do get is just i was sitting there like holy crap like jaw drop just sitting there like this movie got me right even though it is an 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 unresolved murder um that that doesn't mean that it still can't be a a very compelling and 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 captivating story Mm -hmm. um because like you know it is based on true events but the characters here are are like mostly fictional um which i think does a credit to to the story because then we are even more farther removed from reality and we can just sort of immerse ourselves in this as something that may or or may not have happened and you did mention that you're not sure if if, if zodiac would exist without memories of murder uh i'm not sure like like i i don't really know um exactly how much bong joon ho is influenced by david fincher seven but I was getting a decent amount of seven vibes here too, which would be crazy if set if Fincher influenced Bong Joon Ho and then Bong Joon Ho influenced Fincher again with Zodiac. I just love it how how the, like these great filmmakers of the modern age are, are just influenced by each other in that way. Well, I, it it has samurai western films written all over it. Yeah. Where your curse, I was like, I wouldn't have made any of my samurai films if it wasn't for John Ford, and then. <laughs> Magnificent Seven wouldn't exist or like any of Sergio Leone's Dollars trilogy without them ripping off samurai films by Akira Kurosawa. It is a fascinating like snake eating itself of the creative process of people influencing each other because yeah, this does very much have this dark, ominous, foreboding atmosphere that Seven does have using rain and darkness and it's funny because foster warned us about one particular scene in this that was so creepy yep just the usage of like these corn like these fields of crop fields and the imagery in this film like that one scarecrow that's on like the poster Mm -hmm. is so creepy unbelievable shot of that train tunnel. Yeah. That that set piece, something else, something special. And how they leverage the darkness and walking into the darkness. Just Bong Joon-ho was on some real creative highs making this film. And it builds some really intense moments and suspense, especially in those scenes where we are seeing prospective victims mm-hmm. walking and being like, oh, are they going to make it out okay? Is right. something bad going to happen? And it's like, of course something bad's going to happen. 
Right. It also like it in that way, it trains us to expect something bad to happen or to be afraid whenever there's rain or whenever yep. a certain song plays. Yep. We like 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 our, our, our brains expect, oh my god, now something like now something is going to happen just because of just because of that. And it really takes skill to to build to, to build that in pretty much instantly. Mm-hmm. Um and 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 just establish a, a mood just like that. Um and also I just love how Bong Joon-ho will casually drop some of the coolest shots I've ever seen just in the middle of like a little montage. Like when um, right. when one of the detectives is looking uh, for a piece of paper, it just cuts to uh, like a shot of him at a landfill. And it's so gorgeous. There is smoke rising behind him. The colors are brighter than they've been in the entire movie so far. And then just like that, we're gone. It was just one shot, but it was it's, it's gorgeous. And it's just so amazing to look at. Um, and, 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 and it's just done so casually and, and I love it. That he makes it look easy. Like mm-hmm. all of his films, he makes it look easy. He's such a talented filmmaker and he's so, like, I want to meet him and hang out with him. Yeah. Like everybody fell in love with him at the Oscars where he's just like, now I'm going to go get drunk <laughs> right. after winning his awards. And he, the final shot of this film is so penetrating from like a technical standpoint and so poignant from a thematic standpoint because if you're not going to have a resolution to your mystery there better be something that this film's actually about Mm -hmm. and it is and i think how this film turns the camera on us the audience and looks at humanity and how monstrous people are just out there and could be anybody. Mm-hmm. And that final shot's just such a great representation of that. And I think basically any idea of a serial killer story of these horrible things happening and it just could be anybody. The fact that, because, you know... I know at least millennials are insanely obsessed with true crime. I know from a lot of people that I know, including yeah. my wife, um, right. that it's just like how much we look at Dahmer and um, Ed Gein. And like, I just watched House of a Thousand Corpses yesterday for the first time, which that was an mm-hmm. experience. Like, yes. Yeah. Also a serial killer story, Texas based off the Texas Chainsaw Massacre, and all these different kinds of things. And like Ted Bundy was a respectable, handsome looking guy who turned out to be a complete psycho and just horrible human being. And I think this film is challenging us to like there's just people out there amongst us doing these horrible things. And it's just like, what can we do about it? Cause like that little girl being like, they look like anybody. And it's just like uncomfortably sweating. Right. Yeah. Yeah. It could be anyone among us. Um, and, and yeah. that's what this movie plays with a little bit. Um, like anyone, like everyone is a suspect and the police are not going to hold back in, in, in trying their best to figure out who did this, whatever means possible. Um, no, and 
there's a lot of bad copping going on in this movie. There, in fact, is no good cop. (laughs) Yeah, my wife was laughing because she couldn't believe, like, people just straight drop-kicking each other and stuff like this. They're going hard. And the wholly unethical behavior, I'm like, Sung Kang Ho's detective is such a fascinating character because he's so out of depth. Mm-hmm. He has no idea what he's doing and he's lashing out at people because they're like touching the wrong stuff at the crime scene and his clashes with the other investigators. And there's always this hiding tension about everything and horrible things happen to people because how reckless they are. And all I'm going to say is a train and leave it at that. Cause that really yeah. messed me up. <laughs> Yeah. Oh, yeah. That came out of nowhere in more ways than one. Um, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> uh, but Shane, I do have to ask, where does Memories of Murder fall for you in the list of 32 movies that we've talked about so far on this show? This was a tough decision, but I think this is my number one. Really? Yeah. Wow. So what is it? What is it overpowering? It just took out Hatakiri. Ah, interesting. Which was my number one. Yeah. It is my number five. Uh, so that brings it below The Hateful Eight and above Hard Boiled. Um, so it's still still in the very upper echelon of, uh, of, of films that we have talked about. Um, but uh, yeah, I don't know. Still not, still not good enough to crack uh, About Time and um pop star and harakiri there you go. but we shall we shall see uh, how we shall see if anything is able to knock those off the list um, it's hard to stop pop star never stop never stopping exactly well we may be talking about a movie in uh in eight weeks seven weeks eight weeks that might knock uh, knock one of those off but we shall see we shall see we um, shall see yeah uh, we do have three uh, categories to discuss and break down today. We have movies about a, a murder investigation. Uh, we have uh, Korean cinema and our 2003 watch list because we talked about 2003 um, just two weeks ago with Foster talking about School of Rock. Mm-hmm. Um, but uh, yeah, so let us start with uh, murder investigation. Uh, I will go first on this one. Um, I, I just I essentially define this as movies in which there is a murder investigation of any sort it doesn't necessarily have to be police driven, um, and uh, and in fact most of them are not. Uh, my Very number good. five is not, and it is Clue, uh, one of the funniest murder mysteries I have ever seen. Um, just goes crazy, goes all over the place, um, and uh, the version I watched on streaming has every single alternate ending in there that was shipped to Good. various cinemas. And I think it is best watched that way. Uh, it, it, yeah. it, it all just comes together in such a fun way. It's so funny uh, number when four, it's just like, it could have happened this way, but exactly. did it? Yeah, <laughs> that's up to you to decide. Uh, number four is uh, Shutter Island, Scorsese and uh, DiCaprio and Ruffalo. Um my uh, my cousin hyped this movie up for years for me before I watched it as like the best twist ever in a movie and yeah it it is pretty good and if you don't know the twist don't spoil it for yourself it's uh no. it is a it is a really really good surprise 
Uh, number three is Rear Window, uh, Alfred Hitchcock, uh, uh, featuring Jimmy Stewart. Uh, not quite as a peeping Tom, but he is, uh, he is, he may maybe He's see something lawyer. that he shouldn't. Exactly. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, he maybe sees something that he shouldn't and uh, then starts to spiral. Uh, is it a murder? Was it just, is he just going crazy? Is he gaslighting himself? Who knows? Uh, number two is The Nice Guys, another one of the funniest murder mysteries ever made. Um, probably less of a uh, less of a murder mystery, uh, but still just a mystery nonetheless. And there is a murder in it that they do then try to uh, solve slash avenge. So I am counting it. Yep. Uh, and number one is another one of the funniest murder mysteries ever. And that is Knives Out. Um, hard to argue with this one. It's one of my favorite movies of all time. Uh, I think it's amazing. I think it's clever. And uh, I do not agree with all of the people who say that it is, that uh, Glass Onion is better. Uh, but that is a conversation for another time. Uh, your move, I'm, one of, the, I'm yeah. one of those people, so we can have a conversation. <laughs> but it's it's like I feel like it's more A one A B. It's like they're very different films, but I love them both so much. It, what's funny is my list is completely different than yours, and I think that's for the best because then people get ten different movies they could go check out. My number five is Lethal Weapon, because I love Lethal Weapon. I've watched all four of these movies a lot. Hell yeah. And Shane Black, Richard Donner, Mel Gibson, Danny Glover, and Eric Clapton on guitar, (laughs) all coming together trying to solve the murder of a sex worker. And oh boy, does it get a lot more complicated than that. Um, Basically, it is like the the nice guys. (laughs) just spirals out of control right um next um, this is this is an interesting one because how it's all set up isn't necessarily who's being chased is but it's the fugitive i love the fugitive and it's just like he didn't kill his wife (laughs) i don't care (laughs) just harrison ford and tommy lee jones are so fantastic in this cat and mouse game of Harrison Ford trying to prove his own innocence that he didn't kill his wife and find the one-armed man that did it. Um, my number three is Wind River because probably besides Mayor of Kingston, I just love almost everything Taylor Sheridan has made. And this is such an intense, fascinating neo-Western investigation. My number two, L.A. Confidential the true best film of 1997 and should have beat Titanic. Sorry, <laughs> not sorry, people. But this is such a wonderful noir film and has an amazing trio of Russell Crowe, Guy Pierce, and Kevin Spacey trying to solve the a massacre murder on the holidays and... Oh, there's so much mystery to this one. And my number one, which is one of, well, yeah, the only funny one, really funny comedy one on my list, which is the Grand Budapest Hotel. Somebody kills a very wealthy old lady who Ray Fiennes happens to be having some fun with. And then we have to figure out what the hell happened. And it's all quirky and wonderful in all the best Wes Anderson ways. Hell yeah. (laughs) Um, next up is uh, Korean cinema, um, movies made or produced by uh, Korean directors. Uh, Shane, you're up first with this one. 
Um, I'm going to preface this. This is like 60% Bong Joon-ho, so there you go. <laughs> Mine too, believe me. <laughs> um, number five is Train to Busan. That This is one of those movies that like created a mania around it, and I hopped on that train, pun intended, and... <laughs> Boy, is it a crazy ride. Also pun intended. I'm going to move on before I make any more puns about trains. Um, my number... So, my number four is Parasite. And this might be a little low compared to most people talking about Korean films, especially Bong Joon-ho. But, like, Parasite's amazing. And I don't know what else to throw out there besides, like, this is one of the most shocking movies I think I've watched in years I had no idea where the hell this movie was going, and its handling of class warfare is fascinating. Uh, my number three, this is one of those movies that I champion to a lot of people, and it's The Handmaiden. I absolutely love this film. This film is nuts. And this was one of those things I popped it in and had no idea what I had in store for me, and loved every second of it. Um, number two is Snowpiercer which I absolutely love this film. This is one of the most creative dystopias I think ever put to film. And there is some like soul crushing moments, multiple throughout this movie. I'm like, how do I even exist anymore after watching this movie? I know what babies taste like. (laughs) That, That was the moment where I'm like, oh my God, Chris Evans. And act like amazing, yeah. <laughs> like that was so out. Like did something else. And memories of murder is my number one. This might be fresh, but I absolutely love this film. This is one of the few times I actually put the movie on one of the lists. So uh-huh. there you go. Yeah. yeah. Um, my number five. I could not decide between Snowpiercer or Okja. I think they're both absolutely fantastic movies. Uh, but I'm going to go with Snowpiercer for this one, just because, uh, like you said, Shane, it's one of the most creative dystopias I've ever seen. Um, because we don't even see the world. It's not about the world. It's about the people and what happens to the people. Um, and every single character here is incredible, and they're all working toward a goal. And yes, it's very violent and very dark, but it's also just very, very well designed in terms of how it looks. Um, and, and, and just how well thought out this, this, this new world is. Uh, number four is uh, Old Boy. Um, speaking of shocking movies, this movie is another movie that, you know, I'm not really sure where it's going because um, he figures out who he's trying to find very soon in this movie and then it just goes even further from there. Um, wow, this movie is absolutely wild. Um, this got pushed off my memories of murder, yeah, by the way. Yeah. I watched it. Of course. Uh, number three is Memories of Murder, for all the reasons we have talked about today. Uh, number two is Train to Busan. Uh, it is my favorite zombie movie, uh, and it's just one of the most kinetic zombie movies, I think. Uh, I think I think that's a good word to describe it. And number one is Parasite. Uh, I mean, how can I not? This, is, this movie is amazing. Uh, I only watched it for the second time very recently and was reminded how absolutely genius it is in terms of the plot movements. And uh, yeah, this movie rocks hard. Um, yeah. Um, our final category is uh, our 2003 watch list. What movies from 2003 do we want to eventually check out? Uh, and I, as, as per usual, I think a lot of movies on my list uh, will be left off Shane's list because I'm sure he's seen most of them. Um, 
but my number one, uh, I guess there, there's really no particular order for this one. Um, uh, mine are Lost in Translation, Sofia Coppola and uh, Bill Murray. Have not, have not seen it. Uh, do want to get to it uh, at some point. It is the most popular film on Letterboxd in 2003 that I haven't seen, so I had to put it on this um, on this watch list. Uh, number two is uh, <clears throat> Big Fish, uh, a movie that I know I really should get to, especially because my high school uh, did a production of the musical um, when I was in freshman year. I didn't see the show, but it did. Like hearing about it did make me more interested <clears throat> in watching the movie. Um, number three is, uh, how to lose a guy in 10 days. One that I have a feeling I'll be watching pretty soon just because my friend's sister has been showing me a lot of rom-coms lately. And I think that this is going to pop up sooner rather than later. Uh, and speaking of fun rom-coms, number four, uh, I mean, this isn't really a rom-com, uh, but it does fit in with what I've been shown in this little mini marathon. And that is Freaky Friday. Um, Lindsay Lohan and, uh, Jamie Lee Curtis. And I have like, honestly, completely independently i've been wanting to watch this for a while just because it looks exactly like the kind of like fun harmless uh made for kids but can still be enjoyed by adults movie that i would be really into um so i'm i'm i I am excited to watch this whenever that does unfold and um Mm -hmm. my final one uh on my watch list is mystic river clint eastwood's movie from from 2003 that my theater teacher from high school has been trying to get me to watch for the longest time and miss young i'm gonna watch it eventually haven't gotten there yet, but yeah. Uh, I'm turning it over to you, Mr. Wasteland. Well, yes, that's now my number three movie of 2003 because it got unseated by Memories of Murder. Of but course. Memories of Murder has nothing. <laughs> nothing <laughs> on Lord of the Rings. Yeah. Um, so, which is funny, we actually have one movie both on our watch list. Really? Um, it's probably the oddest one to have been on both our lists, but... Um, I have Tears of the Sun, which this is a war film from Anton Fuqua, starring Bruce Willis. So I've heard of this movie. I've seen the poster a lot. I'm just like, oh, why not? Check that one out. And then my next one is Identity, which is a mystery thriller starring uh, John Cusack and Ray Liotta and John Hawks, directed by James Mangold. So basically a lot of this list is, oh, I didn't know that director made a movie like that. So there you go. <laughs> My ne- the next one is How to Lose a Guy in 10 Days because I've also <laughs> never watched that. So I'm just like, why not? That looks like fun. Yeah. Uh, my second is 13, which is from Catherine Hardwick starring Evan Rachel Wood and Molly and Holly Hunter. I remember watching bits of this when I was younger. And now as an adult, I'm like, that looked like a really intense movie. I should go and check out the actual, like, watch the whole thing. And my number one, which this one looked pretty, pretty interesting, and it's French, and it's The Dreamers. This one has an NC-17 rating as well, so oh boy, that'll tell you a lot. And this is from Bar- uh, Bernardo uh, Bertolucci, and this was an early performance by Ava Green. And, like, I've seen clips of this film about this young American hanging out with a brother and sister in 1968 Paris. And, well, looks interesting. So I figured, check that one out, too. Hell yeah. Um, Next week, we are going to be talking uh, about James Gunn's Slither. Um, uh, This was the post- 
uh, trauma movie that really got him noticed. And uh, I would say probably got him um, on uh, uh, pr- probably caught Marvel's eye when they were looking for, uh, for, for visionary and weird directors to do some fun mm-hmm. stuff in the early uh, 2010s. Um, <clears throat> so we'll be talking about that next week. So uh, do not forget to check that out. Uh, Shane, where can people find you if they want to hear more from you? Head on over to the Wasteland Reviewer YouTube channel. I have so many reviews of so many things. And also I have all my different shows, including I'm in the process of doing my uh, series on John Carpenter for Welcome to the Wasteland, which we'll be recording for right after this. Rowan's the first one to appear. Surprise, surprise. And I'm doing a lot of writing for Scribe and Sif Pop, and I have a... by the time this comes out, it'll all be posted and stuff like that. But a lot of fun and interesting things for my YouTube channel, Sif Pop and Scribe for all the end of the year, beginning of 2023 type things. Go to Instagram, follow the Wasteland Reviewer. Very exciting. Um, you can find me at thelenientcritic.com. That's L-E-N-I-E-N-T critic. Uh, I write about movies and stuff there. Haven't done it a lot this month, but that's because I've been busy. And I'm going to be doing some... Um, I guess as of as of the time that this episode comes out, hopefully these will all be posted, but some end of year 2022 rankings and lists and articles and all that jazz. Mm-hmm. Uh, you can also follow me on Twitter at Bits of Joel if you are interested in that as well. But thank you all out there for listening. We really, really appreciate it, especially if you've gotten to this point. And we will be back next week with a brand new episode. <laughs>